making like change you don't have to be an activist you don't have to be going to every single protest you don't have to be you know constantly making phone calls you can just you know maybe talk to a friend be like hey you've called me this in the past you know i would appreciate if you didn't educate people educate yourself making a change starts with education educate yourself and you make a change right there Hi everyone, welcome back to Journey in Color. Today's guest is a 17-year-old TikTok star who has accrued over 50,000 followers. However, that's not what keeps her going every day. She has her own business and actively stands up for her community. Thank you so much, Huda Khan, for talking to me today. Yeah, no problem. I'm so glad I'm here. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't tell you about this because it's a new segment sort of on the podcast, but um, I have like three questions. They're sort of just like general, you know, cool sort of questions so people can get to know you. Yeah, it's all cool. Yeah. So the first one is if you get um, every if you could get everyone in the world addicted to something, what would what would it be? Um. Honestly, if I could do that, I would really want people to get addicted to Bollywood culture because for me, that is one of my favorite things. And I feel like Bollywood teaches you a lot as well. And at the same time, yes, it does set your expectations very high on certain Mm -hmm. topics. But um, I would really wish that people would understand the culture of Bollywood because it's very enlightening in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, so what is the biggest societal issue that we're facing right now? The biggest societal issue that I think that we all face is ignorance. Many people out here think they know everything and think they know the perspectives of other people. But in reality, they're not educating themselves enough from other people's perspectives to know what they're going through. And that's what I feel like society needs to better themselves at. They need to stop being ignorant and understand people's perspectives. As someone, as a minority, I also understand, like, I can't fully understand the, like, privilege of being, sorry, I fully can't understand what it feels like having a lot of privilege. But I do understand when people say that, hey, I do struggle. You have to be able to understand and educate yourself from different perspectives and not be shallow enough. So that's why I think society's biggest issue is being ignorant. Mm. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. And I think that's so relevant. We can definitely touch on that um, a little bit later in the conversation. Yeah. My third question for you is, if the world ended and you could only save three people, who would they be? Ah, that's an interesting one. I mean, for me, the thing is, I obviously, like, many people would pick their family and all that. But I would want to save people who are out here that are going to do stuff for the world. So, um... That's actually a very hard question because I really can't just think on the top of my head who I would save, but I would make sure that I save people who are willing to put like their lives like, like in the front so they can help other people and make the world a better place if the world is ending. Mm. Wow, that's such a beautiful answer. Yeah, usually (laughs) people are like, you know, my family or something like that, but it's so beautiful how you think about the entire society when choosing something like that yeah thank you Mm -hmm. so I want to start off by talking a little bit about mental health 
um, because it is so important, especially, you know, given the pandemic, but also given all the current events with the Black Lives Matter protests and everything going on around the world. It's really hard, I think, to digest it all and to be able to understand and process it. So talk to me a little bit about mental health and suicide um, and your thoughts on that. So mental health is one of the biggest things that there is. And in a lot of like Indian and Asian culture, a lot of like our parents don't really believe in it, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's really important to know that your kids are going through mental health issues. And for me, I like when before all of like, like mental health thing was a big thing to me I've never I also was like nah I'm never that type of person to like fall into depression anxiety and all that but when the moment comes you have to understand that it's very important that you treat it the right way it's not just something you can keep to yourself and be like it's okay I'm gonna cry one day and the next day it'll go away you have to make sure you're taking it seriously and the thing with my story kind of starts off with this Um, In 2012, my aunt committed suicide and I was really young back then. So my parents didn't think it would be smart to tell me that, especially because I was very young, Mm -hmm. right? So they didn't think it was important to tell me that she committed suicide and they told me that she died in a car accident. I've always believed that because um, obviously my parents said that. Why wouldn't I believe them, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I wasn't very close to that aunt because, again, I lived in America. She lived in Kuwait and we barely met that many times and you know but still so then what happened in like around in 2019 basically last year um we were talking about like me and my brother were joking around and I was like you know like you know basic jokes like oh I'm gonna kill myself or something and my brother like told my dad about that and my dad and my mom thought it was a good time to tell me that it's like not a joke right Mm -hmm. and like it's something serious and the first thing when I, when my parents told me that like like my dad's sister committed suicide, I was like, no way she couldn't do that. Like, she was that soul that everyone knew as like you know, um, an outgoing extrovert. Everyone loved her. She was that type of person. Like everyone says that they find me in her, right? Mm-hmm. So like I always see myself as this happy person. So I was like, how would why would she do that, right? Mm. And that's the thing when I found out about it and when my, and I didn't believe my dad. And the thing is I learned a lot from that moment because my dad, I like, he's that man in my life that I've seen as the strongest man. And when he started crying and tearing up, knowing the fact that he lost his baby sister to something as terrible as suicide, that made me realize that suicide is a very selfish act. It's not about, Oh, like, you know what? I want, I want to release myself from this world because I can't take it anymore. It's selfish. You are being conceited and you are doing something for your own benefit. You're leaving the world, but you're leaving everything else that is there for you behind. She ha- My aunt had a three-year-old son when she committed suicide. And his life was completely ruined, obviously, right? Mm. And that's the thing. You have to make sure that when you... Like, suicide should never be an option. And if you have mental health issues, reach out. She had problems in her life, but the thing was, she whenever she contacted her father, her father says, deal with it. It's part of life. And that's where I think my grandfather really feels like he should have been there for his daughter so she wouldn't have taken this step. That's why it's very important to reach out when there's something with mental health in it. Mm, no, Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think 
that's really, really tough to go through. I'm really sorry, sorry for your loss. Um, and just dealing with that, I, I, can't, I really can't even imagine, you know, how did your perspective, I guess, change? Um, the thing with me, so the thing with that is, like, I didn't really know that she committed until last year. And um, for me, when I found out about it, I was devastated. And, like, the thing is, my relatives also knew kind of, like, like not to really tell me that um, she, that I know that she could, like, they didn't really tell me that I, that she committed suicide. But when they found out that I knew, it was very, like, different when I saw my relatives, like, especially when I visited India and saw my grandparents for the first time after I found out. Because it's just, like, it's like you know something, and at the same time, you really wish that you knew and you could be there for your family, but you couldn't. Mm. And the change that I saw in myself is that I want to make sure that I'm not being selfish. If I have mental health problems or if I see any of my friends or cousins or anybody who I feel like is going through a tough time, I'm going to be the one to reach out and make sure they're okay. Because I don't want anybody else to go through anything that my family had to go through. Because again, like I see my father as a very strong figure and my grandfather, he is one of the strongest figures in our entire family. Everyone looks up to him. He's like this man that like no one can push down. And my aunt, who was in India with him at the time, said when they got the call that she committed, the screams of my grandfather are something that you can't unhear. And I again, I just don't want anyone to go through something like that ever. So I really hope that like if somebody's having a problem, they come to me or I, if I notice something, I will come to them. Mm, right. And, you know, as someone that maybe isn't going through the mental health issues, something you can definitely do is reach out. And exactly. people have mentioned, you know, when you reach out to them, even if it's not their worst day, that uplifts them. And that's like a positive vibe that's going towards them, which is really needed for someone who's going through a bad mental health state. Oh, 100%. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how have you used that hardship, I guess, to propel you forward? So, um... So besides my aunt who committed suicide, I also recently lost another aunt to the, co- to the coronavirus, right? And that was probably the hardest death on me, more than the suicide, because this was something where I, had, I was older, I had more sense, and I understand what loss is. So this death has affected me, and I can tell you it has affected me in a positive manner. And yes, friends are there, but family is forever. And I know that's such a cliche saying, but... It's true. Friends come and go, but family is always forever. And it's important that people recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing that you've taken like a positive stance from that because that can be really devastating, you know, finding about, out about your aunt and that, you know, it was a suicide. And then your second aunt losing that to the coronavirus, um, you know, that's something that I think some people might be able to relate to, which is so sad. And, mm-hmm. you know, were you able to attend her funeral or anything like that? I sadly was not because she passed away in India and we were stuck in America. Mm. And um, what makes it, what saddens us even more was our aunt when her, my grandma were supposed to come visit, like, America on March 18th. Mm-hmm. And, like, India went, wait, no, they were supposed to visit on March 22nd or something. But India went on to full lockdown March 18th. So their flight was canceled, like, within that three-day period. 
and um they so they couldn't come and that was very sad because my aunt has always wanted to see america and it was sad to see that she passed away and she wasn't able to visit and we were all excited for her to come we set our house up bought new clothes for them and we were so excited because it was her first time stepping in america mm-hmm. it's always been her dream so it was very sad to see her go away like this but at the same mm. time we all know that she's in a better place yeah for sure that's really so sad um you know have you built resilience within yourself during this time and I guess how can people do this if they're listening and going through a tough time if people are going through a tough time um I've learned this the hard way never keep your emotions to yourself the more you keep them in the more your mental health deteriorates it's not good to keep what you're having in your head because at the same time like you're just overthinking things it's not positive you want to make sure you're reaching out to people like maybe you have certain friends who are always there to listen maybe you have family that you're comfortable talking to or if you have a therapist go to a therapist but it's important it's vital that you talk it out never keep these emotions to yourself as strong as you may think you are we are humans we are vulnerable we can fall in any second that's what I, I always thought that I was strong. I'm always to myself. I'm always happy. But no, when some things come like this, you have to make sure you're out and speaking it out. So you don't like your mental health doesn't deteriorate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking it out sometimes, as you said, it can be it can feel like you're weak. But in reality, you're just being human, I guess. And you're just, you know, you're taking your negative emotions to a different place, which is really important. So talk to me a little bit about like your upbringing um, and, you know, how that's influenced you. Have you faced colorism or racism and have you seen it in your environment when you were growing up? So I grew up in a very like not Indian populated place. So when I grew up, I'm I was around like a lot of um, African-Americans, Hispanic people. And then I moved into a more diverse neighborhood, which con- like which had more like they de- had a more bigger Desi population. Um, and my school right now is very diverse, is very diverse. I haven't ver- faced uh, like I wouldn't say like direct racism, but I can say one thing that racism exist and if i'm talking specifically about indian racism the only reason i feel like that indian people don't realize that they are being like um there's racism against them is because it's been normalized yeah absolutely because if you mm -hmm. keep i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say um it's been normalized because if you think about it like you hear like those things like oh you smell like curry curry muncher what do you eat this why do you smell bad you're like you know Mm -hmm. it's been normalized you know And the thing is, Indian people, I feel like they don't tend to, like, you know, snap back, right? And that's why it's been normalized. And I feel like it's, like, in this moment, if you think about it a lot more, like, ever since this whole Black Lives Movement has started and everything, it makes you think that it's not just black, black, Black people. Like, yes, they've been going through a lot of this since the beginning of time, right? And racism exists everywhere. It's just that, like, certain racist comments have been normalized in society that it doesn't even seem racist anymore, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, yeah, I guess because of the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of other issues are sort of surfacing. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, other issues are being brought to light as well, which is good, but it's also not, I don't know, from some opinions, it's not the best because it's 
um, taking the attention, I guess, away from the Black Lives Matter movement. But, you know, talking back about your the statement you made about racism against Indians, I think it's definitely been normalized because we just ignore it. And that's just how, I guess, we were taught to deal with it. Exactly. And the thing is, like, a lot of our parents also say that if somebody says something, you really don't want to start a fight or, like, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You just, like, let it be. But the fact is that if we stand up for ourselves, then that's when these things go away. And that's what I think the Black Lives Movement has, like, enlightened people to understand that, like, you have to start standing up for yourself. And the thing with, like, African Americans are, like, they've been going through this since the beginning. And their actions being taken upon it just because of their race, right? Mm -hmm. And right now, I feel like this movement has not just enlightened, like, a lot of people, but it's enlightened, like, normal people who wouldn't really, like, take anything into, like, consideration, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're understanding, like, hey, a lot of stuff has been happening to me, too, but I would take it as a joke. But, like, it's really not a joke, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this movement has been a very positive impact on not just, like, the african-american people but to like i feel like every normal person living yeah 100 percent. i think it's caused us all to sort of question our internal bias and the way we view things you know even if you weren't necessarily a racist or someone who even you know talked negatively about african-americans or any particular group you still question yourself which i think is really important and it's mm-hmm. you know bringing other issues to light for sure Yeah, like, it's been a big reality check for many people saying that, hey, I've been through something like this, but how come, like, I've never, like, taken any action upon it? But now Mm. people are like, hey, I'm going to take action upon it. I'm going to speak out because it's something that has to be addressed. Yeah, exactly. Like, the urgency of the issue has definitely been created, and now more people are speaking out, which is really great. Exactly. So, you know... Why do you stand up for anti-racism and, you know, again, whether that be against Indian people or African-American people, but just anti-racism in general? Because, you know, some people might argue that it's better to just, like, not get involved, you know? If you don't get in the fight, then you'll just stay out of the mess. You can, you know, sort of build your own life. You, ha- you can stay out of this whole thing and you can still probably live a good life. So why get involved? The, the thing with me, right? So, um... In the beginning, like, I would say around, like, freshman, sophomore year, I was very, like, you know, hey, like, you can joke about me. I don't get offended. And see, like, here today, like, I'm not a person that seems to get offended because I'm just that type of person. But if I think about it, there are people out there that will get offended. And I want to make sure that I can do whatever I can to my extent to make sure that, like, these people aren't going through tough times. Like... Because racism exists, and especially, like, if I'm focusing on Indian people, it's been normalized, right? So not a lot of people take that into, like, attention. So I want to make sure that people are, say, like, noticing that, like, hey, it's not good to call your Indian friend a curry muncher, right? Because that can hurt. Or, like, there's meaning behind it. Like, what motive do you have behind it, right? So there's just, like, I want to make sure that anti-racism, like, I just want to make sure that people aren't being racist. And I'm doing what I can to my extent with, like, the people at my school, people in my community, and making sure that we are represented and we know that what you're saying actually hurts a lot. Because no one deserves to go through what you're saying. No one deserves to be called a curry muncher. No one deserves to be called, you know, smelly, anything. It should be, like, we should all be treated the same because race has nothing to do with anything. That's what I believe in. Mm Mm-hmm. 
No, absolutely. That's really beautifully said. And I think, you know, it's interesting because the fact, you know, it's definitely been normalized racism, like, let's just say against Indians for the people who are facing it, but it's also been normalized um, for the people that are racist. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, you know, they might not even be like angry people or bad people, but because it's normalized, they sort of just partake in it. So even if we just help them realize that this is wrong and that this hurts and that, you know, you're doing something wrong in society, that can definitely help to stop the racism, I think. Exactly. Because if you can tell somebody, like, even if it's your close friends, like, you know, in the beginning, like, I've had friends that have been like, oh, I bet your house smells like curry. If you just simply say, like, hey, no, like, why would you say that? Just because I'm Indian, like, you can't just, like, think that's normal to say, right? You just gotta stand up for yourself, but at the same time, you don't have to be straight up, like, you know, hey, man, that's so rude. Like, you, what, like, you know, mm-hmm. be gentle, be kind, because kindness always, you know, gives that r- the right message. Like, you have to make sure that you're not being rude or loud. Just say it nicely, like, hey, I don't appreciate it, because that actually has, like, a bad meaning behind it, or, like, that's a very bad stereotype to assume about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought up the fact that use kindness because, you know, it can really be easy to come from a place of anger or come from a place of, like, frustration. But using that extra time and sort of putting kindness into it and just, you know, talking to them like they're a human being more than someone mm-hmm. like a racist can often, like, help, I think. And, like, that's the thing because if you also say it nicely, you can educate them behind, like, like what's behind the meeting and stuff like that and why it hurts you. You want them to feel like, okay, I understand why this is a bad thing to say and I understand why it hurts you. I won't use it again. You don't want to give off that vibe where it's like, okay, she called me out this rude. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't care. I just, I'll do it again if I have to. Like, Again, you want to make sure you're educating them at the same time and making sure they sure they know why not to say this in the future to anybody, not just me. Right. And that education part is so, so, so important because otherwise mm-hmm. it might just be like, OK, around Huda, I won't I won't use these terms, you know, but when exactly. I go somewhere else, uh, who cares? Um, but helping them understand why. And that's, I think, what the social media movement has really done for the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, helping to educate people and, you know, understand the reason why they're wrong, why the racism is wrong and how it's been, you know, infiltrated into society. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we're talking a lot about like anti-racism and standing up, but how do you, I guess, as an activist, encourage people to take a stance on racism, you know, rather than just being a bystander? So, like, a lot of people, like, you have social media, and a lot of people have a bunch of followers or whatever. If you have any sort of social media platform, use it. Because even if you guys all go to the same school, follow, say, a lot of same of the mutual people, there are a lot of people who have, like, people from, like, with other connect, they have other connections. So, if you put something on your social media platform... Um, make sure you're also acting upon it. If, like, a lot of people put on their stories, like, you know, email these people, call these people, mm-hmm. and send this paragraph. But if you're just putting that on your story and not doing it yourself, that's that's not really helping. It, make sure you're doing it and you're also, like, telling others to do it. What I like to personally do is I like to put stuff on my story after I do it. And I also like to text my friends personally, like my very close friends. I'll be like, hey, can you do me a favor and email this, this, call this people. And, you know, like 
it also makes them do it and it also includes them part of society and also makes them feel good about themselves because they're doing something that's good for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, involving your friends and your community like that is really amazing and people can do that. I definitely think, you know, texting people individually sometimes holds them more accountable. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously they do feel good after doing it because it's something that they're doing for the entire society. Right? Exactly. And they know what they're doing is standing up for something that's right. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, like they just feel like, hey, I helped my friend out, but I also helped someone who could be getting justice mm-hmm. when they really deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, just give me a second. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, I'm here. Yeah, so, you know, talking more about you being a local activist, what motivated you to become an activist? So, I feel like after my aunt's aunt's death death with the coronavirus, I feel like that's when I really had, like, I was really, like, devastated. And because she was one of my very close aunts, too, right? So, I was very devastated by her passing. And um, I not only have I started with, like, our um, Black Lives Matter movement and stuff, but... I've also been, like, activating for um, our, like, in India, there's a lot of, like, issues going on over there. And I write a lot of articles and I sent them because, like, my dad has a few connections with, like, the government there. And we're sending these articles and petitions for people to sign and get the support of, like, you know, these people to, like, you know, understand what's happening. Because in India right now, a lot of people aren't getting that basic healthcare facility that they need to fight COVID-19. My aunt literally went through three um, ventilators because like two of them were broken. And by the time she got into the last one, she passed away. Right. Mm -hmm. And these are basic healthcare facilities that India needs. And when the, when India needs its government the most, where are they? That's the issue. Right. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that the government knows that what they're doing right now is like, it's not really helping them. Right. They're people because they could be spending all of their funding money on helping people fight COVID-19. And India is right now like going up to the top of with like the cases and all that. Mm. And we want to make sure that they have the facilities to fight the virus off. But instead, India is spending its money on like, you know, rebuilding like gardens in New Delhi. Like, yes, it's important to rebuild cities and all <laughs> that. But right now you're in the middle of a pandemic. I really think it's important that you make sure like you're getting like facilities and basic healthcare needs to your citizens because hospitals don't even have rooms don't even have beds there are people on the floors of hospitals because they need to be treated and they and like hospital and like the government's like yeah i think we're just gonna stick to you know building a garden in new delhi like that's why i want to try to advocate for yeah that's a huge issue that i think Mm -hmm. so yeah i've been sending emails and like um a lot of articles and they're getting posted on like a bunch of websites. I've been starting petitions um, on change.org because those really do a lot of work. I've been connecting with a lot of like um, what a lot of protest groups in India and these people who, you know, advocate for rights. So these people are in India. I'm from America. So I connect with these people who advocate for rights and I tell them about my issues and what they can do as me sitting in America and what they can do for me and for the people that they have in their country. And it really helps. And there has been a lot of protests going on and all that because this lockdown has affected a lot of people in India. Yeah, for sure. I love that you're taking, 
you know, issues that we could just look over, issues that we could ignore because they're not obviously directly affecting us here in America, but you're mm-hmm. really working to solve them or at least create some sort of solution. And the Indian government and the funding problem, I think it's been a problem for a long time, you know. Exactly. And and working to solve that it can definitely be intimidating um, and honestly challenging. But how do you keep yourself going? You know, when you face those obstacles, how do you keep going and, you know, continue to fighting for what's right, I guess? What keeps me going is the fact that, like, I like with my aunt passing in India, that entire week, my mom and my dad have been on constant phone calls. Because, again, like, the worst part is that we can't be there. And if something like this happened, I guarantee that we would have been in India the minute we found out my aunt was in the hospital. But we couldn't be there because flights were canceled. And the fact, like, my parents were on constant phone calls. My mom has been crying. And the thing is... I just don't want anyone else to go through this. And the thing is, I've also seen a lot of like um, articles and a few things that have been happening in India. Like a lot of people, like poor people in India have committed suicide because they say that a lot of the a bunch of jobs have shut down and um, they're, they can't afford like living and uh, food. So they all just commit suicide with their kids so they don't have to suffer through this tough time. And it makes me realize that like, we have everything and most of the time a lot of us don't appreciate what we have and i want to make sure that i'm doing what i can as someone who has a privilege in a way Mm. to make a change and i want to help these people make sure that they are getting the care that they need during these tough times in india yeah that's amazing you know i love that you're using your privilege really to help people and i think that's what we need to start doing you know instead of just admitting that you have privilege really using that to make some sort of change even if it's a small change mm-hmm. and you know that sort of springs into my next question which is like does everyone really need to be an activist to be able to make some sort of a change in society oh definitely not like you can literally sit behind your phone and sign a petition and you've actually helped to make a change you're helping like um you're helping find a way for justice you're helping to make a change, right? Something as simple as sending a simple email or, you know, um, telling somebody, hey, this is not right to say. Making, ch- like, change, you don't have to be an activist. You don't have to be going to a- every single protest. You don't have to be, you know, constantly making phone calls. You can just, you know, maybe talk to a friend, be like, hey, you've called me this in the past. You know, I would appreciate if you didn't. Educate people. Educate yourself. Making a change starts with education. Educate yourself and you make a change right there. Mm. Yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that. That's so important. And I want people to know that they can change. And although, yes, it's just from our little phones, it's just a petition, it's just a phone call, you know, and you can't always see the impact right then and there. But it's worked. Mm -hmm. You know, these petitions have definitely helped the um, Black Lives Matter movement. And they're continuing to help, you know, different issues that are going on in the world right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so important for each and every one of us to educate ourselves and also just, you know, remember, educate ourselves. But you don't always have to, you know, look like you're taking action. You don't have to post on social media because it looks good or, you know, because you're going to be canceled by your friends if you don't. But rather just doing that internal education with yourself, with your close family, your close friends, it's enough. And it's definitely making a change. 
Exactly. Like, basic education is, like, that's the thing. If you want to make any sort of change, educate yourself. Because then you understand the topic, you understand perspectives, and you understand point of views. And that's very important. Mm -hmm. And that's what you started off with. So, thank you so much to the con for talking. Um, For listening. And thank you for all the work that you're doing with the community. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad we could have this conversation. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm so glad I can educate people with a few things and make sure like they're doing what they can to make a change in the community. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you like the podcast, I'd love if you rated it and left a review.